And I'm here with a very special guest I met during Microsoft Envision Tour in New York City in 2023, very, very recent in September, actually. So here in the studio with me is Florin Roltar, who is the Chief AI Officer for Avanad who is responsible for driving the global AI strategy and execution across all parts of the business, spanning leadership, sales, solution, delivery, capability, and also their partner ecosystem. Additionally, Florin is responsible for his company's own AI-first transformation, identifying new ways AI can disrupt and improve how we work, operate, and deliver for their clients. He's been named inside Entrepreneur Magazine's top 10 CTOs to watch in 2023, as well as Forbes Technology Council, official member of 2023. He published and is co-author of the book, We the People, Human Purpose in a Digital Age, a guide to digital ethics for individuals, organizations, and robots of all kinds. He is passionate, optimistic, and energetic business and technology leader, having lived and worked in over 10 countries across three continents now calling us pacific northwest home we're not busy raising young young kids uh, he loved running and listening to edm so welcome floor i'm just so glad that we're finally able to do this together thanks uh, Fane. i'm slightly embarrassed and blushing by that long introduction so <laughs> nice to be here thanks for having me thank you for being here i gotta like kick off with a warm question which is after listening to so many podcasts of yours recorded with other hosts and seeing you on stage mm -hmm. needless to say the room was so packed as i mentioned to you i couldn't even see myself in so i was really <laughs> watching from afar um i haven't really heard a lot about your origin story about your journey like where you grew up and how you became the person you are today oh okay that's a that's a that's a long uh, uh story which as you said spans um um, many uh, many countries and and several continents, but uh, um, I uh, I grew up in Sweden, uh, hence my accent. Um, uh, spent uh, about ten years of of my life in UK as well. So when we established Avanad, I I joined as one of the first employees there. Uh, I've got a history in uh, Procter and Gamble as well, and I've I used to run my own business prior to that. But um, moved to uh, to Seattle about ten years to um, to be close to Microsoft Engineering because we obviously do a, a lot of work with and uh, and uh, together with Microsoft. So um, and uh, you know I thought it would be uh, just a two two year stint, uh, but you know we ended up liking the nature and the climate mm -hmm. and the people and um, yeah uh, we're still there though. I'm joining you from New York today. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I know you've been traveling a lot. That's that's incredible to know your backstory, having worked in many different organizations, have uh, been an entrepreneur yourself. So um, we might come back, ask more questions later on, but I want to open it up to the questions at hand that so many people are interested in learning about you, which is that you've transitioned from CTO to CAO at Avar and is relatively new in the industry. So we're just curious. Uh, what was the transition like for you? And what are some of the responsibilities associated with being an, a CAO? Um, so it's it's been um, um, an interesting transition, to put it mildly, um, mm -hmm. because, you know, in my previous role, I was obviously uh, the chief technology officer. So I was living and breathing uh, pretty much technology all, all the time. Um, 
but in my new role, um, actually, it's more about people. Um, so, you know, as, as we've, our, as Avanade itself has been working with generative AI now for th for three years, so we we uh, picked up the uh, the signals with the the Avanade R and D team around what's happening with OpenAI um, several years ago. So we've sort of gradually evolved our understanding that this is not just about technology and it's not about data, although. You know, clearly you need a good data and you need a, a robust data platform to be able to have a, any reasonable chance of doing anything useful and durable with AI. But the, um, the main challenge and the main objective is actually how you get people with you. Mm -hmm. And maybe more importantly, how you use and why you use AI as a force for good and something that, you know, you, you use to truly help people enable to be enabled to become the best versions of themselves to mm -hmm. gain new skills to accelerate their career to do things they weren't potentially imagining that they would be able to do so yeah it's been kind of an uh a, an interesting sort of evolution talking from spending you know 100 percent or 90 percent of my time with technology and now i'm i'm still obviously spending some amount of time on technology but it's much more people first centric the role wow you know, I last week, I actually spent two days, one day at Northeastern to attend their EAI AI event. And then the day after was AI AI, which is AI Accelerator mm -hmm. Institute. And something that just came up, which even before I planned these questions was, I think people really thought like, what would be, uh, what would be like to be a CAO? And having just hire someone from outside of the organization, the discussion mm -hmm. was that probably would be more challenging. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like for you, the transition may have been more natural because you come from technology, having yeah. worked in the organization for a long time as CTO. So I feel like probably a lot of the same responsibility will carry over, but there would yeah. just be a new layer of uh, AI on top of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I am bl blessed and lucky because uh, you know it was my sort of the R and D team in the CTO mm -hmm. organization which you know picked up the signals around generative AI. Um, um, so I've had a chance to work with it for uh, at least three years, though obviously we've been doing traditional AI for a decade plus. But then I, I was lucky as, as well, uh, or serendipitous, I should rather say, that I, I used to uh, look our future after our future of work practice before. So um, I do sort of have a, a passion and uh, and a background on the people side and, you know, uh, how, how to work differently. So this is... Uh, it's a lovely combination of tech and people. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah. Um, you've talked a lot about AI first leader, yourself being in leadership. I feel like there's a lot of influence and, and teaching and learning that you could share with other mm -hmm. leaders. So, so if our audience isn't familiar uh, with this term, AI first leader, uh, could you help us understand what it is and maybe how to even become an AI first leader? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, actually. Um, it seems like the um, the word itself, AI first, is a little bit um, sort of divisive. Um, so, um, because it, it sort of the immediate knee jerk connotation, it we're putting AI first uh, above people, and that's definitely not the case. So, uh, the way I think about it is an evolution, or rather, a revolution of the eras we've had before with 
mobile first and cloud first um and you know ai first is intended to sort of mean that ai is becoming the new computing platform um uh, for sure mm -hmm. but um i think the way worse you know we in avanad are looking at this is that it truly um is going to transform the way organizations work um and some industries like you know our own services industry but also telco entertainment financial services are like really going to be um uh quite fundamentally uh impacted by this and we think that's more an opportunity than a threat uh it will append you know commercial models and and uh sort of the differentiation the products the services the operations of of the company so as as part of my role and you know the way i think about it is that we truly have to look at it as a as a topic which impacts the entire organization it impacts people it impacts finances it impacts operations it impacts legal it impacts sales it impacts it um it it impacts you know the uh, the growth of the company the differentiation of the company so what i what we do what we see is that the you know for the most successful companies that we work with and the way we're trying to do this ourselves is that this is becoming a c level and a board level um um priority um mm -hmm. and it's it's you know it's fundamental it's a great opportunity it also has its risks if you're not doing this right mm. absolutely um, I really like what you said at the very beginning of uh, the Microsoft Vision Tour in New York. And I know you've attended so many conferences, but literally the first thing you said, mm -hmm. you walked up and before any of the other speakers, you said, you know, when it comes to AI, you know, don't just tell people, show them how it works. Mm -hmm. That really resonated with me. It was very, very short and brief. And that's kind of really got me hooked. So could you maybe talk about where that philosophy comes from? Yeah. So it's um, it's a bit of twofold. So um, I think on 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 one level, there is way too much obsession, I believe, in the industry with the the what rather than the uh, why and the how. So I think, you know, you can do loads of things with AI. You can put things into production fairly easily. Everybody's talking about use cases, but I fundamentally believe that we as an industry are not asking enough, you know, why are we doing this in the first place? How does this truly align to, you know, an organization's mission and value and, and strategy and objectives? And how are we doing this such that it's responsible, it's respectful, it's human, it's it's humane? So I think, you know, the show people rather than tell people is, a, because I think at the C-suite, there is good theoretical understanding of AI and generative AI, but limited practical understanding. So, you know, what we sort of discovered with our executive team and with our leaders is that when you give them the tools, mm -hmm. um, when you allow them to use this in their daily life, um, I think they truly understand the power and the potential. And then the separate dimension is to put it in the hands of people so they truly experience how this is 
you know, it's not something which is going to re replace you. Um, it's actually, I believe, generative AI should be very carefully used for automation uh, or complete automation at least because a human needs to be in the loop, a human needs to be in control, a human is the pilot, if I can use that analogy, AI is the co-pilot. And, you know, the beauty of this when you have AI and humans where the human is the pilot, the AI is co-pilot, you know, you're collaborating, you're working together, you're doing things iteratively, it gives you the, that power and enablement to do things you weren't imagining you could do before. I mean, that's kind of wonderful and that takes away the the fear and the the anxiety. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a big believer in, you know, just uh, ask the why, um, ask the how uh, and make it real. I love how you use the pilot and co-pilot uh, metaphor and actually makes Microsoft co-pilot really seems even more intuitive um, hmm. because of that. And I love how we transition now a little bit into fear of AI, exactly like you said, and, mm -hmm. and it's almost like the answer or, you know, one of the solutions to that is to humanize it, to help people understand mm -hmm. how you work together. Now, the fear of AI is really real. It, it's everywhere popping up in major media. You know, some people uh, have this fear because they're concerned with tech itself, AI as a tech mm -hmm. itself, or some with privacy. But frankly, AI isn't something any one of us can run away from right now. So we might as well embrace it and learn how it works. So uh, what what is your take on that? And also, have you seen something, anything that has helped people sort of overcome that fear and uncertainty of AI? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and, and it's, I mean, it's, it's quite serious. Um, and I think we as an industry have tremendous responsibility to do this right. So I, you know, I, I personally genuinely believe that we're nowhere near um, AI maturity where, which is going to be mature enough to be let alone and be unleashed without you know, human in control um, and human in the loop, and and you know, again, the human as the co as the co pilot, uh, sorry, as the pilot, and AI as as the co pilot. Now, are there organizations and people which are doing the wrong things, and and you know, in my opinion, the wrong things, and uh, overestimating the power of this and getting you know ahead of their skis, so to say? Yes, but. Just incidentally, this week we um, we published a, a big piece of research we've done with about three thousand um, decision makers around ten countries, just to survey and do a bit of quite a lot of research around how how do people think about this, how do employers think about this, how do employees feel about it, and one piece of statistics we really really made my day and my week uh, and I think my year is mm -hmm. that uh, about 95% of the um, uh, employers are not looking at AI to replace jobs, but they're actually believing that their organizations may even increase the number of jobs by up to 9%. So I do, you know, this to me is sort of proof that actually the world is pretty good. <laughs> People are trying to do the right thing and and this is going to be such a great you know tool to i mean to to create value to create jobs and 
frankly, I mean, it, it just gives us the chance to tackle some of the world's trickiest problems around healthcare, education, financial inequality, um, which we've frankly been unable to do before. And we can do that now and we can create jobs and, and help people become the best versions of themselves. So I'm, I know I sound optimistic, but I am generally optimistic. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm also feeling very optimistic uh, as a creator. There are a lot of automation now with AI tools that I can use and apply. Mm. Uh, even earlier today, I wrote an article about how to use Eleven Labs to create your AI, your own AI voice audiobook, mm. which the cost of so many things that we do, even our mundane lives are so costly, yeah. becomes prohibitive for us to even consider it. And so I think AI in many ways could democratize creativity yeah. in the work we do. Yeah. Um, you know, with that said, I, I gotta say, like in the past few weeks, I've been invited on certain Zoom calls and I've been receiving emails and text messages mm -hmm. kind of privately from colleagues I've worked with before. Now that I've been an entrepreneur for nearly 10 years now, I'm so out of the loop for the corporate life, but I'm seeing some layoffs for sure. And then when I read the newsletters first thing in the morning, I see a lot of these kind of, I don't know, is media rah-rah, just like tech mm. layoffs is so severe. So I'm gonna just pivot the questions to, what do you think is that someone can do regardless of their age and current domain can really do to future-proof their career, um, or you know how to how to think about that perhaps in general. If future-proof isn't the perfect uh, word for it, that's a, an important question, a difficult question. I I don't think I have you know the uh, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I mean, I'm I'm learning myself, but I mean just to share some very personal sort of. Um, guidelines that I've, I've tried to use in my career and that's to be you know to be open-minded um to realize that you know the world is changing and you have to be a lifelong learner um and i've always tried for myself to have sort of the profile where you know i i know something about everything but then i try to know everything about something um and that everything about something you know needs to change over time as the world changes and and, re and and reality changes but you know to be more specific i mean um i think um really understanding responsible ai is such a terrific career opportunity because it is not easy um it requires skills and you know that special something around in my opinion around empathy and values and principles which i don't think ai will you know ever replace but it it can certainly help us with it mm -hmm. um so i i you know we as a company by the way we're rolling out responsible ai to every single one of our tens of thousand employees because we believe it's one of those skills which everybody needs to know everybody needs to understand it's the right thing to do and it's actually a responsibility we have towards our customers for you know everyone in in our organization to be certified and trained in in responsible ai and then another thing which might sound a little bit strange but Actually, I do believe there is an art and a bit of a science around prompt engineering, and I, I should say engineering in in air quotes. Um, but it, you know, the whole notion of how you work with an AI copilot, 
in an effective and constructive way, somewhat more iteratively. I think it, it does require a lot of us to unlearn some old habits and learn some new habits. I think it's going to be as important as, you know, sort of basic knowing how to write an email or knowing how to browse the internet is today. We're going to take that for granted a couple of years from now, but I do believe, you know, we all need to to sort of upskill ourselves and um, and and learn that. And you know, I mean, just to use a kind of a silly anal or a silly example, and I'm kind of embarrassed I'm going to use this, uh, but I, I'll do I'll it. do it anyway. Um, so you know, we started um, using Microsoft M365 Copilot way way back in in um, as a very very early adopter. Um, uh, so. You know, personally, I, I started using it and my sort of initial knee-jerk reaction was, well, you know, I'm not a native English speaker and sometimes I have grammatical issues in my emails or I, I feel I'm not writing as good emails as I should. So I started using Copilot to help me write more what I thought was more intelligent sounding mm -hmm. emails, uh, but they became longer and more complicated. And I felt pretty good about myself around only to find out very quickly that my team was using Copilot to not read my emails because they thought my emails were uh, too long and too complicated. Um, so I was using AI to pretend I write emails and they're uh, using AI to pretend they've read my emails, right? So, I mean, that's kind of a, a silly example and we, we caught that one pretty early. But it does show that I think, you know, I mean, we all need sort of, to think differently around how we work with a co-pilot and, and organizations definitely need to think differently around how they adopt co-pilots and how they truly get value out of that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I, I would say be a lo long life learner, uh, have an open mindset, a growth mindset. Um, and I do think right now, you know, like really focusing on responsible AI is probably a, it's a, you know, a, a good thing to do. That's what I would teach my kids if they would be old enough. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How old are your kids? I was just wondering. So I have a daughter who's seven and uh, a son who's 11, um, oh, who is dabbling with Python. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm starting them early. <laughs> Very smart. Actually, that's interesting uh, for a parent to be the in, in the AI space and how that could inform how you raise your kids. And that's fascinating. Well, I think um, it's, it's actually, I think AI is a fantastic opportunity in education as well. Um, and I'm starting to see some schools which are being really smart about this instead of, you know, fearing just sort of the fear factor that students are using, you know, ChatGPT to cheat. They're using AI to create personalized curriculums mm -hmm. um, within boundaries, of course, and with the right level of management and, you know, avoiding hallucinations and management. But, you know, as a way of giving, helping every single student with a personalized learning journey, which meets them where they are based on their interest, their style, their, you know, joys of learning. Um, and instead of having, you know, one teacher to 30 students, you have, you know, one teacher still or, but with, you know, 30 AI co-pilots, uh, teachers, which is 
you know, helping every single student in an individualized manner. And I've seen some beautiful results with that. Um, so that's so interesting. I have people in uh, working in education and who very much pro AI and coming up with quizzes, tests, and interesting exercises for mm. kids. I love just hearing these very open-minded ideas and ideations for sure. Mm. And I think AI inevitably is already impact, uh, impacting education. I think there are a lot of people need to share more positive yeah. outcomes as opposed yeah. to fear alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, again, should give you, you know, an, an example around how to, sorry, my, uh, my uh, app here is, uh, is acting up. So <laughs> no, I was just going to say uh, the, um, uh, an example of usage of Copilot um, within our, you know, in, in our organization, which has been so wonderful to see, um, you know, somebody who's relatively new in the organization who normally might have struggled with how to get started, you know, how do I create a project plan or a deliverable of some sort? Where do I find the right information? Maybe having that sort of fear factor and, you know, at least I, I had the, uh, sort of intruder or imposter syndrome when I started working around, you know, what am I doing here? Am I good enough? Um, well, they found out that, you know, I, I didn't learn anything I should have been learning at, at school or in my previous mm -hmm. job. And, and actually to have a co-pilot, which is, you know, reasoning on top of tens of thousands of the work that we have already been doing in the company for the last years, or maybe hundreds of thousands of, of, of documents and helping somebody with, you know, a starting point, something which is 50%, you know, done and can somebody can iterate and, and continue to work upon. And I've seen people really shine and sort of overcome their fears or, you know, it's really helped some of our team members which have, you know, um, um, dyslexia, for example, um, or just sort of, you know, are struggling a little bit with their self-confidence. And I just think it's so wonderful when you use AI to truly empower people and people get to see, you know, this is this thing is not going to replace me. It's going to empower me. It's going to help me. It's it's um, you know, it's um it's it's making me better and you know, making workday more, you know, a better experience for me, uh, which I think is is just wonderful. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I know this, I feel like this originally was totally unrelated, but as you're talking about AI and, and people, I remember um, that also, you know, I didn't grow up in this country in the US and I, when I first started working, uh, you know, there weren't nearly as many international employees mm -hmm. and there was a level of discomfort sometimes with other colleagues. Mm -hmm. And I remember having these conversations at, at the very beginning of, well, there's so many foreign workers, how will they impact us, our work and our employment opportunities? It was unfortunate I have to be in those conversations, but now in retrospect, I realize that it's it's people like us bring a different side of the culture, conversation, different way of speaking, looking at it from a different angle. Uh, I feel like now it, it feels a lot more natural. Um, and yeah, I, it's really interesting. I just had this like epiphany. <laughs> so um, you mentioned the resources real quick, and I think it's such a luxury for a company like Avonad and, and of course Microsoft as well to come up with these uh, internal certifications instead of a broad blueprint, a white labeled something to force mm -hmm. onto the employees. So I'm kind of curious, like uh, you may not have been working directly with L&D or people who create these courses, oh, but I what do. are... <laughs> <laughs> 
what are some of the, uh, and that's okay. Like, I wonder if you know, have any insights to some best practices in developing internal resources and internal AI Academy? If not, are there any external sources that you would like to maybe recommend or have heard of? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, so we were, um, um, we recently announced our um, Avanat School of AI, which we're rolling out to the entire company, tens of tens of thousands of people. And, you know, it is a, a bit of uh, a combination of um, things which are ready-made in the industry um, and things we create ourselves. And there are some things like, you know, responsible AI, which truly, you know, I mean, there is a basic responsible AI framework, um, um, which, you know, are, I mean, there are think, think tanks out there, there are um, industrial bodies who've worked on this. You know, when we started on this journey five years ago, we had to write the manual ourselves. But mm -hmm. uh, we still believe that a, a really, really good responsible AI framework is something which embodies the company's values and principles and sort of what you stand for. And it takes, you know, it it codifies the company culture in a good way. So that's the reason I'm saying that is that is a the training course we've developed ourselves. But then again, you know, there um, there is good um, training available um, that you know organizations and people can. Um, um, can can get from uh, from the outside world. You know, Microsoft has some great resources. Um, they're launching uh, prompt engineering library as well, um, which is which is really good. So the best examples from the industry on how to how to effectively uh, uh, use uh, prompt engineering, and I think we've we've uh, contributed to <laughs> to a bunch of those, having worked with Copilot for months now. Uh, I mean, for me personally. Um, I just read a lot, um, and one of my favorite go-to resources is uh, the AI canon from uh, Andres and Horowitz. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not sure how much has been updated lately, but uh, it's a great collection, in my opinion, of, uh, you know, deep articles, uh, a lot of research, um, focuses on both the people side, the business side, and on the technology side. And I actually really, really enjoy um, uh, uh, catching up with that. But I, yeah, I, I don't know that I have a, uh, you know, a single source. I am lucky enough is that, you know, we're a joint venture between Accenture and Microsoft. So our friends in Microsoft have a ton of training and content and our friends in Accenture have even more training and content. So we're, taking the best of, of both worlds and, uh, and and using it both. Wow, wonderful. Yeah, so I noticed we probably only have like a couple of minutes left. I just want to close on a question. Yeah. Um, it's okay if the, you know, um, I'm not sure if this is the perfect question, but I'm really curious uh, that you've been speaking at a lot of different events. Mm -hmm. uh, this is probably maybe you've been living in this phase of your life for a little while now and people like myself, you know, post pandemic have finally like step out of the house, traveling, mm. going to more events. I'm curious, do you have any quick tips on how to make the most of, you know, AI or tech events in general as a speaker, as well as an attendee or as a creator in this case? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, Overwhelming well, at these events, like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, I try to meet people and to learn from people because I don't think anyone out there has the complete story. And I think the you know, um, value truly happens when you meet different people and you exchange what you've learned and you're open to learning from others. So I've, I've had the benefit of and privilege, you know, I've been at Microsoft events and met with a lot of people there from, you know, whom I learned from. Um, had a chance a few weeks ago to attend the corporate boardroom summit and to engage with the board suite and to hear, you know, how they're thinking about this. And it's, which is quite different from, you know, what obviously what uh, the CIOs and the CDOs that I mostly work with are, um, are, are thinking about this. Um, mm -hmm. I got a chance to attend the Hunter Mueller um, uh, strategy event in, in Silicon Valley last week, which was really useful as well. So I tried to, I tried to meet people and to carve out time for a sort of quality discussion where I hope I can offer them something they can learn from. And I'm definitely looking for nuggets and lessons learned from, um, from others. I think otherwise it's a personal style. So as a speaker, um, you know, I just try to be honest and I, I, I dislike sort of the politically correct, super scripted presentations. Uh, yeah. I have to admit, actually, I didn't read your uh, questions before you sent them on purpose because I, I, I did want to, you know, answer from my heart and, and be honest and direct and, mm -hmm. you know, just uh, share what I what I feel, felt and what I've what I've learned. Um, uh, and, but I think, you know, just be, be curious, um, be optimistic mm -hmm. um, and, and embrace this. And I, I think. Yes, I mean, there are risks um, and there is a huge level of responsibility that we all have. Mm -hmm. But isn't it wonderful? I mean, we're we're in once in a generation or maybe more than once in a generation, maybe once in a hundred years or 300 years um, mm -hmm. point in time where, you know, we finally have some tools that can help us address humanity's biggest challenges in a way we haven't been able to do before. And how wonderful is that? And, you know, what a great opportunity to, to be alive, to mm -hmm. be able to learn this and, and, you know, help and participate in solving those challenges. So, uh, yeah, I guess optimism is a good thing. I love it. Thank you so much, Lauren. I couldn't find a better way to kind of wrap everything up with that. Not with my question, but with your answer, really. And I want to remind people who are watching and listening to this to also check out all the resources I've included in the description below. To learn more about Florin, please follow him on LinkedIn and also Avonad's website, as well as A16Z, which is uh, several resources mentioned during we're, this conversation. You know, we're not affiliated with them. I just like what they're doing. So well, well done. <laughs> Absolutely. Microsoft, Microsoft, the co-pilot. I'll include some resources there for sure. And I've learned there's anything I can do, we can do to support you. Please do not hesitate to reach out. And with that said, I'm going to conclude today's recording. Thanks, Faye. It was uh, great talking to you. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much.